guys, you're listening to The Balancing Act, where no financial topic is taboo. I'm Christy Hayes, and during our time together, we'll start to search for your financial zen. So let's go, because it's time to get real. Hey guys, it's Christy Hayes. Glad you guys are back with us. I have told you before, it is not a whole lot of fun to be sitting in here with this microphone all by myself, just talking into it. So, I have got Stacy here with me again. She is going to be talking about um, the car trap, and it's kind of the luxury car trap, but in general, I think it's like the new car trap too, but she's got some experience with that, and it's just so much more fun to kind of have the back and forth, so I, uh, I brought her in again today, and I want to hear what you've got to say, Stacy. Absolutely. Thank you for having me again. Um, sure. So I'm going to kind of tell on myself a little bit. Maybe other people can learn from my experience, but I fell down the luxury car rabbit hole actually a couple of times in the last few years and paid a pretty penny, no joke, for falling down the rabbit hole. And what, what ended up happening was my husband and I, we went into CarMax to buy one kind of car And well, the first time it happened, we went into CarMax just to buy an SUV, just a used SUV, probably a Toyota, Nissan, something really practical. And we ended up walking out with a Mercedes 350 ML. It was a diesel. You know, it was just like literally riding around in a luxury sofa. I mean, it was so plush and so nice and so heavy. And the one thing about Mercedes, you know, those things are tanks. I mean, you really feel, feel the quality and the weight. Anyway, you know, it was about $36,000, which was, you know, what a lot of other SUVs are. And we're like, Hey, it's a Mercedes. It'll last forever. Let's do this. And it's diesel. So it'll get great gas mileage. Anyway, so we took, we took that thing home and Oh my goodness, the maintenance costs were insane on this thing. Uh, it was so stressful. I mean, every time we would go to the dealership, it was it felt like it was twelve hundred bucks. It was crazy. And then I, we ended up getting rid of it because the vehicle had an eight dollar part that went bad that took eight thousand dollars in labor to get to, which is crazy. So I got rid of that vehicle, lost a ton of money on it. And so that was the first time. Then the second time, uh, we we went in and fell in love with another Mercedes, but this one happened to be a white convertible. It was just beautiful, really sporty. Again, took it home, had a great time running around in it. But once again, quickly the excitement of running around, you know, in a ragtop was outweighed by rolling into the dealership you know, and spending, it was either 1200 2400 it was always something, and then because it was a sport car, you pretty much needed to put a new pair of tires on it every year, so it became so anxiety-provoking, and then honestly, we had both of these vehicles at the same time, and I look back on my budget, and to maintain these cars, I had to put back probably $500 a month just to maintain these cars to manage the bills when we would go into the dealership. So learned my lesson, learned a big, expensive, painful lesson over the course of three years of having these vehicles. And I'm, I'm a proud owner of a Subaru now, and I hope I can drive that thing till the wheels fall off. Yeah, those are kind of the cars that you can just drive forever. 
And I, I mean, I had one too. I had a, uh, sorry, I just leaned up into the mic. I forgot. Um, yeah, I had one too. I had a uh, Toyota Avalon. I've actually had three Toyota Avalons, and they're like cockroaches. You just, you just like can't kill them. Um, I had one in college that was like seven thousand dollars, and I drove that thing just like a college student, you know. And no matter what I seemed to do to it, as long as I got the oil changed in that car, it cranked up and took me from point A to point B. And you just can't beat one of those cars. I had a, one of the newer Toyota Avalons too. Once I got out of college, I upgraded, but not a whole lot. I just got like an 06 or something, better body style and all that. But again, it was paid for. And so, you know, the story I, I mentioned to you before where we were having our second child, I'm nine months pregnant and I decide that I tell my husband, just go to the dealership. The Avalon had a little bit of an oil leak. And I, for some reason, just like stressed about that so much. I was like, any day now, this car is just going to break down. So I told him, just go, like, we're going to have two kids. This baby needs to be in a safer car, something up high. And to be honest, you know that my husband just was dying to be in a truck. There's the J.J. Watt commercial where he's driving that blue F-150. Well, do you know what he ended up going and getting? I can only imagine, especially since I know you're in Texas. The blue F-150 Texas edition. And I did not go with him, which is like mistake number one, because his mom told me, and I remember this now looking back, I don't know why it didn't dawn on me then, because you're going into like shark-infested waters with the salesman. And his mom told me that like back in the day, She always knew, like, when she got a Mother's Day or a Christmas present or anything from him, that it was going to come from the little kiosks in the middle of the mall where the salespeople get you. And, you know, you're just, like, you're too polite. And he's he's way too polite to really, like, haggle with somebody or to, uh, you know, fight with them on the price. Whereas I'm more of, like, the pusher. I'm like, well, why? Why can't we get this? I want that. And so sending him in to, like, the lion's den... I'm not surprised that he kind of walked out with exactly what he wanted as far as he's concerned. But I kind of feel like I got that that gift from the kiosk, you know, where he spent some time with the salesman and kind of got exactly what he didn't know he wanted. And I, I think the words were reliable, safe car. But I mean, brand new car, I don't think was on the list, but that's what I got. You know, as you were mentioning, the just the cost of maintaining it versus my other car and now I think about just going and getting that oil leak fixed (laughs) the cost of just like an oil change on this car is like three times what it used to be on my Avalon or like the tires were like 80 bucks a piece on that car and I know that the day we go in to buy tires for this truck it's going to be like eleven hundred dollars I'm just like holding my breath for it there's a lot of hidden costs in the whole buying a car thing that people don't think about and I had my brother in here. He's a he's a property and casualty insurance guy here in the same building as us. And he was going through some of them. And, like, your insurance. A lot of people don't think about the fact that, you know, if you buy a new car and you had, like, an old clunker, your insurance is going to go up. And that's another monthly bill you have to consider. And for me, I mean, the gas on a truck, totally different ball game. I do not get the Toyota Avalon mileage in that truck that I used to get. So 
I'm just thinking there's there's just so many hidden costs and that you need to consider whenever you're doing that. I had a client in here the other day and her boyfriend, not her husband, worked for a car company and he's like a mechanic. And it goes, I, I mean, I don't know any other like solid mechanics in your area to refer you to. I'm just saying instead of taking it to the dealership sometimes for some work, he was telling me, you know, he may have somebody bring in a car because he's like the main guy that diagnoses them. He said that, you know, even if it takes him five seconds to diagnose the problem, hey, I hear this rattle and it's this. He said, I mean, I still get paid book hours. So if the book says it's supposed to take me three hours to do this and it took me five minutes, he still gets paid that, which means you still pay that. And so whenever you take it into the dealership, sometimes you end up paying a lot more than if you had taken it to kind of a a local shop or something like that. But again, it's just a judgment call on your part. I think a lot of people could save themselves a lot of heartache taking a little bit of time before they run into the car dealership and start test driving cars. I don't know what the exact statistic is because that's just not my MO, but I know that there's like a pretty high percentage chance that if you go into the dealership and test drive a car, that they turn that into a sale. So being able to like walk away from a test drive and say, I'm going to go home and sleep on it and think about it, it's just like, I think a good rule of thumb to save yourself from diving into one of these things off of like the hype or the excitement of having just driven it and being like, heck yeah, I want to buy this thing. Let's go. Take me to the finance guy. You know, I think you kind of need that night of rest and thinking about it, talking about it. Do we, I mean, I, I, I think about it. If he'd come home and talk to me about it or, you know, if we'd really weighed the cost, what would we, what decision would we have made? But I, at the time it was just done. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you got to beware too, because if you go in, you know, right there at the end of the month, they're, well, I mean, I think they're going to pressure you anytime during the month. But my husband, we ended up with a brand new pickup truck because my husband kind of went in at the end of the month and their, their sales, hard press sales pitch worked really well on him. And we walked out with a pretty, you know, hefty, hefty truck payment. And I wasn't real happy when he came home. So I, I uh, kind of know what you're talking about on that whole truck deal. Um, men like their trucks, it, it seems like. Yeah, you know, especially here in Texas. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, and even in Kansas, where I'm at, too. You know, something else, Christy, I read this uh, NPR story last week that said that the average new vehicle price is north of $37,000, according to Edmonds. So, and that car loans now are, some of them are even stretching out to seven years, which that is a long, long time. And then people are upside down in their loans for a long time. And, you know, when you think about your monthly budget and you're just saving, you know, either your emergency fund or saving for retirement, I mean, that's, that money's probably, that's money that could be going towards those things, towards your future, instead of instead of a vehicle that just keeps depreciating. Yeah, buying a new car is a mistake. And I mean, I say that I'm, I'm totally guilty of it, but I have a plan to pay this thing off. I bought it in, it was October like 31st. We bought it literally right at the end of the month, only because in the sense we knew that they had quotas that they had to meet. So the, the whole reason around sending them over there was that they'd get a good deal. But needless to say, I mean, I still have a plan to have this thing paid off by next year. And so when you think about financing something for 72 months or for eight years or seven years, like you said, I mean, 
you have to seriously sit down and consider how much you're spending on on financing and you know it, it it's an astounding number that you can save by having a plan to pay it off faster and one of the ways that you can do that is by buying a vehicle that's more economical that you know if you can make a $500 payment and you finance a car and you you know get a $300 payment still make the $500 payment you're going to save a lot in interest I think down the road, you're going to be really thankful that you paid that sucker off as fast as you can. That's just my way of thinking on everything. So like, even though I say I made that, I would say a financial mistake. I mean, I still love the truck. It's still love, you know, my kids are safe in it. There's a lot of highlights to it. It sucks buying a brand new car and seeing that payment. But I still think that no matter what, when you go into it, you've got to have a plan for how you're going to get that off the books and start saving again. And I just want to get it off the books as quickly as possible so that I can redirect my income somewhere else. I don't want to commit a piece of my income to somebody for seven, eight years. I want to commit it to them for as long as I want to. And as much as, I mean, it's allowed because it's not as flexible for everybody and it's not as flexible for me. Honestly, I have to make sacrifices. I have, if you've heard me talk about making a budget and stuff, I mean, it's, it's not easy. I don't just, I'm not like just pulling, you know, money off the tree here. Let me go pull some off. But I, I mean, I do have a budget and whenever I find money in the budget, I do make a plan for how I'm going to take these liabilities off the table because, I mean, debt is a liability and it, I mean, it keeps me up at night. I'm one of those weird people that just, I don't like having it. So, I mean, I may not be weird, but I mean, I don't think everybody really thinks of it that way, even though it's something that to me is just like, yeah, I can't sleep at night. <laughs> Well, I'm in the same boat as you. I'm definitely one of those um, debt-averse people, and it 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 keeps me up at night, and I don't like it. So I so I try to get it off the books as quickly as I can. And you know, I kind of told uh, told my hard story earlier, but recently, just actually in the last couple of weeks, we did something different, my husband and I, and I'm really proud of us. My stepdaughter needed a vehicle. She's only 20. She just needs to get to and from work and to and from school. And we found kind of an old beater Toyota at a 1997, paid 1500 bucks for it. It's got almost 200,000 miles on it. And we did not get caught up in the, you know, YOLO or thing, you know, or what does this thing look like? We just found a reliable vehicle that would get the job done, which gets her from point A to point B, didn't break the bank, paid cash for it. I think the property taxes are 18 bucks, no payments. Yeah, well, and you know, in Kansas, we have property tax. So I know, I know they don't have them in all states, but um, that's something that I know that they have in a lot of states. And people don't think about think about the taxes, and you know, here in Kansas too. If you go do if you do buy that really expensive vehicle, you can you know you can roll up with a brand new vehicle, and it's not unheard of to you know pay nine hundred bucks a year uh, until yeah. the vehicle depreciates. So that is a, kind of another hidden expense, in addition to the insurance and everything. So anyway, we've kind of <laughs> we've kind of been on both ends of the spectrum with the with the luxury vehicles and had had the experience with that and then uh kind of went the other way with the stepdaughter and you know got the beater and so pretty happy with what we did a couple weeks ago and I'm I'm definitely sleeping better at night because of that purchase yeah and I mean I can I go off on my little rants here but like people that buy their kids brand new cars and I don't know if you're guilty of it or not I haven't talked to you too deeply about this but 
people that buy their kids brand new cars, it's just like, and if you're that one of those people, I'm sorry, it's crazy to me because kids do not value their cars like, like adults do because we work hard for what we have. And I mean, when I say I drove that car like a college student, I drove that car like a college student. That thing got beat up. I mean, it was it was a mess. And I mean, not every kid's like that. And you may have a really responsible teen and you want to reward them for that, and that's fine. But I still think that just a reasonable, reliable used car is totally acceptable. I can't tell you how many kids in high school came you know, pulled into the parking lot in like this big souped up truck and they had this really skewed mentality that like they had accomplished something and like really no, you know, your dad accomplished something, your parents are paying for that. And, you know, are you really going to take care of it and value it because you didn't have to put in the time and effort to earn it or to work for it? And I think we're setting up our kids a little bit for failure on that because we're giving them the mentality that Something like that is just something that can be given to you, and you don't really have to work for it. And uh, I think that, you know, a a reliable used car is really a much better way to go. And you're going to have a lot less heartache whenever that does get all dinged up and scratched up and they treat it like a college student or a high school student does. My husband, there's a funny story where, like, he, he knocked off the mirror of, like, every car that he drove. And whenever he was in high school, he just, like, always ended up hitting something and knocking off, like, one of the mirrors. And those moments whenever you bought on, like, a nice foreign car or a brand new truck or something and they, like, tear it up or you got to, like, take it back because they didn't follow the rules, those are, like, big financial moments in your life that, like, have no impact on them. And so it's really, like, painful for you because you've got to go through, you know, taking it back to the dealership and taking maybe a loss on it, or just teaching them a lesson. But really, like, the lesson's on you at some point because you also had to eat that cost. And it kind of put a strain on your relationship when maybe starting out with a more reasonable car that they appreciated would have been better, kind of like you did. It's just going to get you from point A to point B. Yep. And whenever it's time for you to buy yourself a car... Maybe you'll have the same appreciation of a car that just gets you from point A to point B and you don't need the 72-month, 7% interest, $50,000 car that depreciates quickly. It's just something that I think you could teach your kids early that could save you and them a lot of heartache. Absolutely. I'll uh... go off on, on kid rants. <laughs> because... I'll have to tell you, you yeah. just made me think of something funny, so... <laughs> My parents got me a pretty nice car when I was in high school. I was very fortunate, actually very appreciative of it. But I actually ran over the speaker at the Wendy's drive-thru in this in this nice car. Can you imagine what it sounded like in the Wendy's? <laughs> I'm sure. And, and the reason, I mean, you have to think about my perspective and why I feel this way. I'm the youngest of five kids, and I think my parents ended up buying like maybe 12 cars. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, everybody had two cars, everybody, some of them three. And because we just didn't take care of them. And I don't know what it was. But for me, my perspective on it is like, don't do it. Everybody had some sort of accident. And it's like a huge joke around our house, because my sister ran a red light, and ended up in an accident. And when the police officer asked her what color it was, she was so shaken up. She said, what are my options? Oh, my gosh. It's like, well, green, yellow or red. Come on. Oh, <laughs> Which no. one was it? Just say green so that you can get out of this. But no, I mean, 
you, you're dealing with a with a young adult, and you're putting them behind the wheel of a car. And should you really put them behind the wheel of a, you know, very expensive foreign car or just a, you know, a brand new car in general? And you got to think about the risks that you're taking with that financial decision and with them. And you know, my car, my O3 Avalon, I think that sucker did not go very fast, even if I wanted it to. And I think there's a difference between somebody who's maybe proven themselves to be responsible and getting them like a nice, reliable car that's decent. I don't know if uh, if mine was, was punishment for something or what, or if they thought that was... <laughs> I loved it. I mean, I don't think I even really cared. I was so excited to have a car that my perspective was, I mean, it was the coolest thing ever. I was, it was freedom. I think young kids, it doesn't need to be this like Mercedes Benz with a ribbon on top kind of moment. But like I said, I can go off on these tangents. You know, when I hear people kind of talk about their first cars, a lot of times the people who had maybe an, a beater or something that was a grandma hand-me-down, maybe something that they felt like was a little bit embarrassing at the time that had, but had a lot of personality. Those are the people that usually seem to have really fond memories of driving as a young adult. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. And like I named my car. They and... named it, but it's like they almost had a little bit more appreciation because they actually had something that would get them to point from point A to point B. Yeah, and it's just like an opportunity. And like I said, it's freedom. At that age, it doesn't have to be much. Yeah. Freedom is enough. It's it's You're finally able to go out and do. And I mean, as long as you can get around, kids are happy and fine. So yeah. financially, I think you can save yourself a little heartache and just, you know, skip the brand new car. I agree. I agree. Well, I think we'll just wrap it up there. I know that it's kind of gone a long tangent here, but... Um, yeah, we'll we'll pick it up again on a, on another topic. Thanks for having me, Christy. Yeah, thanks for being here, Stacy. That's it for this episode of The Balancing Act. Remember, living below your means in the good times is the best way to survive the bad times. I'm Christy Hayes, and as always, thanks for listening. The information contained herein is provided solely for informational and educational purposes, reflects only a summary of the topics covered, and should not be construed as the provision of personalized investment advice or the making of any investment recommendation. Rather, the content simply reflect the opinions and views of the speakers, which are subject to change without notice. There is no guarantee that the views and opinions expressed herein will come to pass. Listeners should conduct their own independent investigation into the topics covered and should consult their professional, financial, legal, and tax advisors before taking action on any of the content contained in the podcast. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of amounts invested.